0: Alright, if you've got your Bibles, take them, and uh, there's some spare ones around, so look around, there's some on the floor, and let me encourage you. let me say this. You hear me say this. I've got. If you don't have one, or if you've got one and you're like, you know, you know, it's it says a lot of, Dallas knoweth, and a lot of it doesn't make sense to me. Not that that's bad. You may love that, and that that's great. But if you've one, you go, man, this really just, I have a hard time understanding this. Let me know. I've got one. I would love to give you from from the church, and um, for it, it to be yours. We want you to have it to be equipped when you come here, um, to uh, just be able to read and. It's important that you, you read here, I think, when we, we read the Word together and when we look up the stuff. But it's it's important, more important that you read away from here. Do you all like my shirt? I like it. I love it. it. It's like felt on the... I would, the can can, can I, I... Yeah, wait. Here, let me do it. Yeah, that's all I can do. I, I can't, but can, you can make it. No, I? You, I think I heard you try once
1: really pulled it
0: off but kind of So, I'm excited that Bailey's going to speak tonight and uh, and So, uh, so um <laughs> So, I'm, I, this was a Christmas gift, and it, it is felt. I, I would say, I, do you want to, to feel my chest? But that's weird. So, I, like for some people, I'm going, you want to feel my shirt? You know, just so you can feel it, because it feels really cool. So, if I do this a lot, I'll try to stop. Okay. So, um, who here has seen Star, Star Wars? Before, who has seen all six episodes of Star Wars? Who is proud that they've seen all six episodes? (laughs) It makes me proud about the cry, brother. I'm with you. (laughs) And um, if I were to ask you what the point of. The six current episodes we have of Star Wars I know there's seven is, is coming out in two years Okay I understand that uh, but of the first six episodes what's the purpose what's the point what's the thread that runs through all six stories? Why why is it what's the point of Star Wars episodes one through six? What's the point? What's the purpose? Anybody? but there's a continuing battle right the Sith and the Jedi and the Darth okay all that right very good. what else just like that Sort of like that.
1: The redemption of Darth
0: Vader. The redemption of Darth Vader. Skywalker. Also known as who? Anakin Skywalker. Anakin Skywalker. Yeah, I was at the, the, the movies with Gen- Genesis. We actually went to the midnight showing of Revenge of the Sith. And right when he says, Rise, Lord Vader. He didn't do it with a British accent, but you know what I'm saying. And um, Genesis turns to me and goes... Anakin's Darth Vader, you know, I'm like everybody in the world knew except for for Genesis. so give him a hard time about that. So, <clears throat> that, you know, a lot of people say, well, it's the story of of Luke and how he saves the day. And Luke Luke story is in there, but but I, I knew you would get it right, and yours was right too. But it was it was partially right because really it was written why it's the story of the life of a kid who grows up to be a a a a, a Jedi that that goes bad. And in the end, he's redeemed in episode 6 when he says, Luke, you were right. You were right. As he dies, because Luke was right, that there was still good in him, and he, 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 he redeemed his father. There's also the story of two robots. The story of two robots, but that's not, that, that's in there too, but that's not. The purpose is that. So, but can we see in 6 episodes, and if you're not a star straighter, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You just need to watch them because I saw. I, I actually wrote down names of who didn't raise their hand, who watched all six, and like them or not. Dalton. Sorry, I didn't mean to call you out in front of everybody. I know you're embarrassed now. Oh, careful. But if I were to ask you, what's the purpose of this book from front to end. What's the purpose? What's the point? What's the thread that goes through it all? And what, why do we have it and what does it tell us? What's the point? What would you say? The redemptive story of man. Redemptive story of man. Yeah, I think we could say that. Anybody else? Man needs to be saved and helped, right? Don't trying to get poor Kelsey in trouble. You know, there's a lot of things we could say. It's a book that sort of tells us uh, how to live and what's right and wrong. Is, in your, is that right? Is that in here? Yeah. Yes. It, do we tell you, do we like beat it in you? Hey, hey, get in the Word, read the Word. You've got to do that. Not just here. If you just hear Dan and that's all you do, you're just going to grow weak and stay weak. And that's, I, I, I know y'all think I'm just an amazing, great man. I just can't do it. That's a joke. Well, hopefully some of you think I'm nice at least. You know, so why do we beat this into you? And I'm not going to tell you what the point of this book is yet because there's a lot of points to it, but there's one main thread that it's about. And let me give you a hint. It has in its root nothing to do with you. Nothing. And you're... Your, your partial rights don't feel like, oh, he got it wrong. No, he didn't because because there's aspects of it. But the thread, the whole of this, it has nothing to do with us. About five years ago or six now, we went to a student life conference. Who went to the student life conference this past year? We went about a year ago. We A few of y'all in here. okay? And um, we went to this conference. Conference. I took. It wasn't with this church. It was with my last church in 2007, and I went there. It was in Pensacola, Florida. We were going there to see a man named Dave, 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 David Platt. Now, if you've, he's written some books, one "Radical" is the name of a book. Fantastic book. And he's online. Church of Brook Hills is where he's at. You can hear him preach. He's fantastic. I love to hear him preach the Word. He preaches it true, his heart for, for, for the lost is huge, and, and he's just a great communicator of the Word of God. But we get there, and I'm excited because my group is excited. They know about this guy, and they want to see him. We get there. The band comes out. They play. You know, those, it's just a big, right, sort of like in here, the way that y'all act, right? <laughs> So crazy, and um, so we get there. It's a great time. It's Friday night, and so David Platt's supposed to come out and preach. And this guy c- comes out, and it's not David Platt. It's I don't even I don't know his name, Mr. Non Important. What's he doing on the stage? We're supposed to hear David Platt. And they say, we regret to inform you, but David Platt won't be here this weekend. Now, part of it, I brought my group there because we were going to see David Platt, and David Platt was going to teach my group. That's why we came. We We drove six hours. We spent all this money and they said David Platt just got a phone call um, three days before the conference and he's on his way to Russia right now to adopt a son. They've been waiting for six months and they just got the call and they had to drop everything and go. And so you go, okay, I guess that's an okay reason. You know, (laughs) but still. And so I thought, what are they going to do? And they go, well, David Platt's spoken three weeks for us the past three weeks and we recorded him when he spoke. So when it's time for him, his turn, turn where he's supposed to speak, we're just going to put the DVD on and play it. Now, part of me going, dude, I just spent like 55 bucks to watch a DVD of this guy with my group, Did 55 bucks a head to get there, and going to, he's going to teach from a screen. That's all we're doing. I could have done this at home. And when he taught, it was one of the best teaching I've ever sat through in my life. My group was changed, and you go, well, from, from a guy that's on the screen that's not... Even there, yeah. Yeah, it was that good. And so tonight, I, I would, I would, you know, I thought about, I mean, do I teach this, some of this myself? And um, I thought, you know, I don't think I could do it justice for the way that he did it. So I've got the, the DVD of him. And we're not going to watch the whole thing. It's about a 28-minute clip. I've cut it. I've spliced it from the start to the end. But will y'all, I know... And I feel almost bad going, hey, y'all are here, worship, and now we're going to watch a DVD. But I know the content of what he's going to preach about. And I'm going to ask you when he says turn in your Bibles or look in Genesis Twenty-six, you turn there. There's some sheets there that I, as he as he preached and taught, I just wrote things out. And there's some fill in the blanks for you to fill out just to stay on track. You know, the the, the truth is, if you um, if you just sit and hear someone preach and you don't take notes, you just sit and you read the word along with them, you'll retain about five to eight percent of what they said. If you actually write it down, you're going to retain. of what they said. So let me encourage you. You're not going to retain it all. Someone may have a brain that can, but most can't. So let me encourage you. Take some notes. You can flip things on the back and write some notes of things that you hear said. Because he's talking about what's the purpose of the Word of God. This is going to segue huge for my high school students especially. But middle school, this is for you too. High school, I want you in small groups so bad you don't even understand. Uh, And this is is sort of why why do do we need to be be a part of it? Why do you need to actually, you know what? I'm going to set aside that Sunday nights at 530. I'm going to be at Small groups for the next eight weeks because it's that important. And this is sort of why the purpose of the word and why is it so important for us to study the word and to know the word. So, um I'm going to pray, and we're just going to hit play on the button. We're going to turn the lights down, but we won't turn them off because I want you to be able to see your your Bibles and um, and to write with them. Dear God, we thank you so much for tonight. Just the chance to come here and to learn um, from a man who speaks wonderful truth, who loves you, uh, and he speaks it in, in a way uh, that you have blessed and honored. Lord, I ask even as we show it and as we watch that um, you won't let just a screen get in the way, but that we will... Um. hear you speak to us tonight through your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, Sydney, can you make sure that there's, or Hannah, make sure that the mute's off on the computer,
1: and we'll move that out of the way. you got to buy one, I hope you do. Let me invite you to open with me to Nehemiah chapter 8. If you need to, feel free to use your table of contents to find the book of Nehemiah right after Ezra. While you're turning to Nehemiah chapter 8, I want to give you two pictures in your mind. One from a few thousand years ago and one from a few months ago. First one from a few thousand years ago, you can imagine a people living in a city that was their home. All of a sudden being attacked, ravaged, the whole city destroyed, turned upside down. Murders all over the city, mostly men dying, some women and children, and those who didn't die are taken away into slavery in a foreign land. for many years, they, they spend this time in slavery, separated from each other. You can imagine just being ripped from your homes and your families, friends, everything, separated from each other, separated from their worship, separated from the word of their God. And after years in slavery, they finally come back to their city, and they're able to be restored. And they get back to their city, and they rebuild the city, and they rebuild the temple, which was the center of their worship. And then the one thing that was missing, they gather together all in one morning, about 6 o'clock, right at dawn. And they, they listen to the Word of God for six to eight hours straight. They just stand there and listen to it being read. No jokes, no funny stories, no cool music or smoke machines. Just the word. Well, a few months ago, I was speaking at a student conference in a country in East Asia where it's illegal to be a follower of Christ, where it's illegal for believers to gather together like we've gathered together tonight. As a result, this morning, as a result, it was a much, uh, much smaller conference, about 30, 35 students. Prandon in this little place in a a village in this country in East Asia. These students had traveled from different parts of that country, all of them at the risk of their lives. If they were caught in this meeting underground, then they would automatically be put in prison or even worse. Some of their parents were in prison for doing the same thing. That told me to wear dark pants and a jacket with a hood over it. A guy who picks me up from the airport has himself spent about five or six years in jail for sharing the gospel. They put me in the back of this truck and we drive around for a while. We switch to another car and then once it gets dark enough, we switch into this little golf sort, the golf sized cart uh, vehicle and they sneak me into this village. I walk in and there about 8.30 at night, I walk in and there's 30, 35 students sitting in there. And immediately we all go to bed. First student conference I've ever been to where everybody goes to bed at 8.30 at night. Why did they go to bed so early? Because the next morning, by 5.30, everybody was starting to get out. I thought I'd never been to a student conference where everybody got up at 5.30 in the morning. They're all getting out, and by 6.30, they're all dressed and down in the main room. The guys lined up on one side, and the girls lined up on the other side, almost like an army regiment. And from 6.30 to 8, all they do is they stand there, and they pray. And they sing, either standing upright or bowing down with their knees, faces to the ground. They pray for about an hour and a half. We take a short break for breakfast. And then we come back together and we study the Word together from about 8 in the morning until 8 at night. No recreation. No jokes. No funny stories. No cool music. Just the Word. Now why do I give you those two pictures? I give you those pictures because a few thousand years ago, there were people who longed for God's Word so much that they stood and listened to it just being read for six to eight hours straight. Today, there are teenagers on the other side of the world that long for God's Word enough to sit for 12 hours a day on little stools listening to the Word being read. And what I want to say to you this morning is, let's join them. What if the word was enough for us? What if this was all it took to bring us together? And so what I'd like to do this morning is I'd like to put the stories and the funny jokes aside for a few minutes. And I want us to dive into the word. And I want us to study it. And I want us to see what this Word is all about. I want us to unlock what I believe is a truth that if we can get a hold of in God's Word, it will show us why those other teenagers on the other side of the world are longing for God's Word so much and why maybe sometimes we miss out on that kind of passion for God's Word. So we're going to hit the ground running in Nehemiah chapter 8. And then if you got the, the magazine, a the little clarity magazine that you got when you came in last night, let me encourage you to pull that out too, right in the, the middle. There's an area that says David Platt Outlines. And um, what we're going to do is you're going to be able to use this to walk through. There will hopefully be some guides on the screen that will key you in to what's going on. We're not going to be able to cover everything on this, so we'll end up skipping around a little bit, so don't be worried if you miss a couple of things, but hopefully between the screens, and I'll try to emphasize what we're doing, but I want I want you to be able to walk away from today, having not only studied the Word, but having something to remind you of what we've seen in God's Word. I want you to read with me in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 1. This is the story from a few thousand years ago. Listen to what Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 1 says. This, this passage, this chapter is going to kind of be our theme throughout the rest of the day. It says, when the seventh month came, and the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people assembled as one man in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra the scribe to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. Now the book of the law of Moses, basically what that means, a little background, that's basically the first five books of the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and... Okay, and it's the audience participation part of our program, all right? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and their Honorary. There we go. Okay, that's what they're reading. So all they did is they brought out the book of the law, those first five books. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra, the priest, brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon. There's the six to eight hours there as he faced the square before the water gate and the presence of the men, women, and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. They just sat there and listened to it being read. Why would they do that? Well, I believe the answer to that question is is found in the whole purpose of this book. So you've got it there in your notes right here. The purpose of God's Word ultimately, if you were to sum it up, why do we have this book? I think the ultimate purpose is for God to reveal His glory to His people by redeeming His people. So the purpose of God's Word is to show, to reveal how God redeems His people for His glory. You've got that in your notes right there. And the key word being there at the start is reveal. Basically, just like If you were wearing a mask and you took off a mask to reveal what you look like, that's what the Bible is. It's it's revelation of God. This is God saying to us, here's who I am. Here's how I work. Here's how I speak. This is, this is a book about me. It's revelation of God. It reveals how God redeems His people for His glory. Some of you are thinking, well, you've already lost me. What do you mean, redeems His people for His glory? Well, we'll get to that. Let's think about the second part of that for a second. For His glory. The point of this book, I think, from cover to cover in Scripture, is God is desiring to show His glory to all the peoples of the earth. From cover to cover in Scripture, God's desire is to show His glory to all the peoples of the earth. And I want you to see that unfold. So let's take a little tour from cover to cover in Scripture. Turn with me back to the first book, which is Genesis. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 12. And you might, if you want to, I don't know if, if you're opposed to marking in your Bible, then then don't do it. But if you're okay with that, let me encourage you maybe to underline some of these verses that we look at. We won't turn to every single one of them, but we're going to turn to a few of them. Look at Genesis chapter 12. Verses 2 and 3, we'll start in verse 1 just to get the context. What's going on here is this, is this is God giving his word, his promises to a guy named Abraham. And I want you to hear what he says to Abraham in verse, well, it says in verse 1, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. And he says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Now here's what I want you to see. This is God speaking to Abraham. He says, I'm going to pour out my blessing on you, Abraham, so so that you'll be a blessing to all the peoples of the earth. So I'm going to give you my word, my promises, and through Through you they're going to be made known to everyone else on the earth. So he was basically going to be the agent or the conduit, the channel, the avenue of God's blessing to all peoples of the earth. I'm going to bless you so that all peoples are blessed through you. Now turn me over to Genesis chapter 26. Genesis chapter 26. Abraham had a son. Anybody know his name? His name was Isaac. Look at Genesis chapter 26 verse 4. God comes and he speaks to Isaac, Abraham's son. And he says something really similar. See if there's a similarity here with with the word, the promise of God, and the purpose of that word. It says in verse 4, I will make your descendants, Isaac, as numerous as the stars in the sky, and will give them all these lands, and through your offspring, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. So basically he says the same thing to Isaac. I'm going to give you my promise. I'm going to make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and through you all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. Now Isaac had a son. His name was Jacob. Look over in Genesis chapter 28. Look at Genesis chapter 28, verse 14. God says something really similar to Jacob here. He says, Jacob, Genesis 28, 14, "...your descendants will be like the dust of the earth. You will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and the south. And here it is, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring." So Jacob gets the promise, and it's a pretty stout promise. He's a single guy at this point, doesn't even have a wife, and he's going to have more descendants than the dust of the earth. He says, the reason I'm going to bless you with my word is so that all peoples will be blessed through you. Now it continues on. Go to the next book in the Bible. Look at Exodus chapter 14. Now what we're thinking about here is God's desire, God's motive in Scripture. I want you to look with me at Exodus chapter 14, verse 4. The context here is a story I'm guessing most of us are familiar with. It's God leading his people to the, the Red Sea. They had escaped from slavery in Egypt, they were running from the Egyptians, where the Egyptians were right on their back, about to overtake them. They had nowhere to turn to the right or the left, and God leads them, about to be overtaken. God leads them to the Red Sea. Why would he do that? Well, listen to what he says in verse 4. He says, I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. Here's what God did. He led them to that place so that he could split that sea in half, send his people through, and he said, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when they see my power in front of them. I'm going to gain glory for who? God says, I'm going to gain glory for myself. By leading you to this place. God is showing his glory to the nations, to the peoples around, through blessing his people Israel. Now it continues on. We don't have to turn to to these next few. But if you go to Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 5 and 6, we'll see God talking about why he gave the Ten Commandments to his people. We know God gave the Ten Commandments. Why did he do it? And Deuteronomy 4, 5 and 6 says he did it so that when the people obeyed those commands, they would show the wisdom of God to all the nations around them. Then you get to Joshua. Joshua chapter 5 and 6. My favorite stories in the Old Testament. The people of Israel are going into the first major city in the promised land. The first major city is Jericho. And Jericho is this massive city with huge walls all the way around it. Now get the picture. In Joshua chapter 5, Joshua is off by himself and he's wondering, Okay, how am I going to take the army to take the city of Jericho? This is a big city, these huge walls. And as a military commander, he basically had five options available to him. He could either try to take the army over those walls, try to take the army under the walls, they could try to break through the walls, they could send a decoy in, kind of like a Trojan horse type thing, or they could starve the people inside the walls and make them come out. So he's got five options, over, under, through, send the decoy in, or starve them out. God comes to him and says, Joshua, here's the battle plan. Joshua's thinking, okay, over, under, through, old decoy thing or starving. And God says, what? Get, get your trumpet, guys. Pull out the sheet music, and you're going you're to start playing some tunes. And then once you've played some tunes for a few days, then here's the kicker. The last day you're just going to shout really loud. And the walls are going to come down. You're going to take the city that's weird that's a very unusual plan if you're Joshua you're wanting a second opinion at this point here's the question why would God design this paddle plan to take the city of Jericho here's why he's doing what he does throughout his word he is organizing orchestrating the events of his people so that in the end only he gets the credit for what happens let me tell you what you don't see in Joshua chapter 6 when they take the city just like God told them to you don't see all the Israelites going up with the trumpet players telling them what an incredible job they did that day I've never heard you play that well. Ralph, you hit the high C. It was awesome. No. You see the people on their faces saying only God could have done that. He is showing his glory to his people. It continues on. 1 Kings chapter 10. Solomon, extremely wise dude. Why was he so wise? The Bible says he was wise so that people like Queen Sheba would come, see his wisdom, and say, only God could give you that kind of wisdom. God is blessing his people with his word, with his wisdom, so that his glory would be made known. You get to Daniel. A couple other weird stories. Daniel chapter 3, verse 29. Three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Why would God let these guys who have been so devoted to him, why would he let them be thrown into a fiery furnace? Is that the way you treat teenagers who who honor you and glorify you? Why would you let them be thrown into a fiery furnace? Well, Daniel chapter 3, verse 29 tells us why. Because these guys get thrown in, they come out on the other side without a drop of sweat on their brow. And the king declares that the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego deserves all the praise of all the people in the land. God is showing off his glory. Daniel chapter 6, another weird story. Why would God let Daniel be thrown into a lion's den simply because Daniel prayed? Well, the answer is, so that Daniel would go, spend a night with those lions, come out the next morning. Some other guys get thrown in, and the king declares that the God of Daniel is able to save his people, and his blessing, his glory is to be made known throughout this land. God is showing off his glory. Now, let me show you a couple others. Look at Ezekiel. Turn with me to Ezekiel, chapter 20. You've got to see these. Look at Ezekiel. That's Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, and you'll come to Ezekiel. I want you to look with me Ezekiel, chapter 20. Over there, and I want you to look at verse eight and nine. What this is, while you're turning there, what this is is it's a story of basically how God worked among His people and did among His people. I want you to look at Ezekiel chapter twenty, verse eight and nine, and I want you to look with me. Look for the reason why God moved among his people like he did. It's talking about how they had disobeyed him in verse 8. It says, They rebelled against me. They would not listen to me. This is God speaking. They did not get rid of the vile images they had set their eyes on. Nor did they forsake the idols of Egypt. So I said I would pour out my wrath on them and spend my anger against them in Egypt. Now listen to verse 9. But, for the sake of my name, I did what would keep it from being profaned in the eyes of the nations they lived among, and in whose sight I had revealed myself to the Israelites by bringing them out of Egypt. God did what he did for the sake of what? For the sake of his name. Look down in verse 14. It says the exact same thing again. But for the sake of my name, I did what would keep it from being profaned in the eyes of the nations in whose sight I had brought them out. God said, I'm going to do what I do among you for the sake of my name. Look over in Ezekiel 36. It's even clearer there. These are some pretty astounding words from God in Ezekiel chapter 36. Look at verse 22. Just to think. This is coming from the mouth of God, giving us a picture. Of his motive, of his desire. Listen to what he says in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 22. Therefore, Say to the house of Israel, this is what the sovereign Lord says. It is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I'm going to do these things. But for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations where you have gone. I will show the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, the name you have profaned among them. And then the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the sovereign Lord, when I show myself holy through you before their eyes. Did you catch that? God said to his people, what I do among you, I'm not just going to do for your sake. I'm doing it ultimately for my sake. The sake of my name among the nations. God is showing off his glory. Now is this just an Old Testament deal that when you get to the New Testament the whole picture changes? I don't think it does. New Testament you come across Matthew chapter 24 verse 14 it says my gospel my word is going to go to the ends of the earth and then the end will come to all nations Matthew chapter 28 verse 18 to 20 go and make disciples of where all nations, baptizing them and command, teaching them everything I've commanded you, all my words are going to be proclaimed to all nations Mark chapter 16 verse 15 go and preach the good news my word to all creation Luke chapter 24 verse 47 through 49, Jesus died so that repentance and forgiveness of sins, his gospel would be preached in all nations, Acts chapter 1 verse 8, you are going to be witnesses when the spirit comes upon you, witnesses to my truth in Jerusalem, and Judea and Samaria and where? To the ends of the earth. This is the whole theme of this guy named Paul in the New Testament. He says in Romans 15, my ambition is to make the word known where it's never been heard before. God wants to show his glory through his word to all nations. Now we started this journey way back in Genesis chapter 12. Turn with me to the last book in the Bible. Look at Revelation chapter 7. Look at Revelation chapter 7. I want you to see where this whole book ends up. It starts with God saying, I'm going to bless my people so that all the nations will know that I am good. I'm going to give them my word so that I receive glory from all the nations. Listen to Revelation chapter 7. Look at verse 9. Guys, this is where all of eternity is headed. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, every tribe, every people, every language standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All of eternity is headed from cover to cover in Scripture, and all nations giving praise, honor, and glory to God. That's what this book is about. So the Word reveals the glory of God. How does it do that? I think in two primary ways. First of all, it exposes God's voice. Just like this microphone is intended to expose my voice, I think that's what the Word does. It exposes God's voice. We hear from God through His Word. The second thing I think it does is it exalts God's greatness. Because this book gives us a picture of the glory of God from cover to cover by showing us His greatness over and over and over again. That's the ultimate purpose of this book that we hold in our hands this morning. It exposes the voice of God and exalts the greatness of God. And I think we've missed this. I think we've really missed this. You say, Dave, what do you mean? How have we missed that? Well, think about it maybe even just in terms of our worship. If this book is intended to show us a picture of the glory of God, then you would think that this book would be at the center of our worship, right? That would only make sense. If this book shows us a picture of the glory of God, we would put it at the center of our worship. Well, I want you to think about our worship. On a couple of different levels. In our worship, I think we have a dangerous tendency. Instead of worshiping and exposing his voice, I think in our worship we most often ignore his voice. You say, what do you mean? Well, the most common thing we do, particularly at a conference like this, is we'll have somebody come up and and read a couple verses, then put the Bible down and go on talking about all kinds of other things. And I'll be honest with you, me, I, and guys like me are to blame for this in much, much part. And we go on and we start telling our stories and give our opinions and our thoughts and maybe every once in a while come back to his voice, but most of the time it's sitting over there ignored. And as a result, many of us maybe didn't even bring our Bibles this morning and not to, not to be blamed for that because many of us weren't expecting to need to, to dive in to the Word walk through it. And so what we do is we come together and we have great music and we have cool ambiance and we, we laugh and we sing and then we hear some stories and opinions And then we have a response time at the end, but the question we need to ask is, at that point, what in the world are we responding to? We're responding to our voices. And not His voice. And at that point, our worship has become self-centered, hollow, and ultimately, I believe, offensive to God. Because we've ignored His voice maybe, maybe if we don't ignore his voice, we might expose it, but we expose it not to exalt his greatness, but to exalt our greatness. You see, we have this tendency, whenever we come to God's word, we say, well, what does it mean for me, and what can I get out of the word? We want to see its application to our lives, which is good, and this word does apply to our lives, no question. But what we face the tendency to do is to focus so much on what I can get out of it. What does it have for me? That we start going to church or to conferences and we start thinking, what does this have for me? And all of a sudden, slowly, suddenly our Christianity is becoming extremely self-centered. So that if you were to ask the average person, not even teenager, but the average person sitting in a church tomorrow morning, on Sunday morning, if you were to ask the average Christian sitting in church tomorrow morning to sum up the message of Christianity, you would probably hear something along the lines of, well, if you had to sum up the the essence, the message of Christianity, you'd probably say, well, the message of Christianity is God loves me. Or God loves me enough to send his son Jesus to die for me. That's the essence of Christianity. And what I want to say to you this morning, based on what we've just seen in God's Word, is that that is not the essence of Christianity. It is not the central message of Christianity, that God loves me or God loves me enough to send His Son Jesus to die for me. You say, what do you mean that's not the essence of Christianity? Well, think about it with me. I know it's the weekend little school here in English class. If God loves me is the essence of Christianity, then who is the object of Christianity, God loves me. So I'm the object of Christianity. And Christianity is about me. So when I go to my youth group or to church or conference, it is about me and what works best for me. And everything begins to revolve around me. And what I want to say to you this morning is that the essence of Christianity is not God loves me, put a period on it, go home. It's God loves me so that His glory and His majesty and His greatness and His power and His grace and His mercy and His goodness might be made known in all nations. Now who's the object of Christianity? God is now the center around which all of this revolves we say this all the time how many times have we been to a conference or a camp where we hear someone say or we say ourselves when Jesus died on the cross he died just for me Well, I in no way want to take away from the extremely personal nature of God's love for every single one of you in this room. I do want to tell you this morning that when Jesus died on the cross, he did not die just for you. He died, Luke 24, 47 through 49, so the repentance and forgiveness of sins would be preached in all nations to all peoples. And some of you are thinking, well, wait a second, Dave. God loves me so that he might be praised and he might be glorified? Are you saying that God has an ulterior motive in loving me? That God has an ulterior motive in saving me and giving me his word that God has an ulterior motive in that. That's exactly what I'm saying. How could any one of us in this room be so bold or so arrogant? has to think that we are at the center of God's universe. You are not at the center of God's universe. I am not at the center of God's universe. God is at the center of His universe. This whole thing revolves around Him. This whole book revolves around Him. Some of you are thinking, well, isn't that selfish of God? And that's a good question. We know Scripture teaches love does not seek its own. But think about it this way, don't miss it. If God really is infinitely loving, which he is, if he is infinitely good and all that is love is summed up in God, then what is the greatest way he could show his love to you and to me? By giving us what? Giving us himself and enjoyment in himself. I give you a picture of why he has given us the word. He has given us the word to show us his glory. This book is about Him so that we can enjoy Him and experience total satisfaction. And that's why there's teenagers on the other side of the world who are sitting on little stools for 12 hours a day because they know this.
0: So what did y'all think? Did y'all think it was alright? Was it hard to sit through? Or pretty... I think and, and, and I, I, I hope it was, and you know one of my points is, uh, if you can turn me down as a shade, it's real loud um, one, one of my just main points is um, for those of you in in middle school, man, I want you to come to Bible study Sunday mornings at at nine o 'clock. I want you to come because there 's some great truth being taught there in high high, high school. I I am begging you to come and be a part of small groups this time. And I want you, both groups of you to know this, I'm not necessarily wanting you to come for you. I want you to become, because God deserves for his name to be great, around the world, through the nation, through you, and whatever part of your life you can give, that you will give. You will be enlightened. I think you will learn. You will grow. But I don't teach here week in and week out, because, man, I just want you to be a better Person that that'd be a wasted goal. It's because God deserves all the honor and glory, and the purpose of of this book for what He's done in our life is to spread it His love to the world who doesn't know it, who doesn't have it. So if you're if you're led at all, um, or if you're just moved at all, sign up for small groups tonight to, to be a part. Make a commitment to yourself going, you know what, I'm, I'm going to be a part of this because I want to learn how to say the Word not only for me but I want to learn it so that I can be used by God to make His name great. You know, and he started off with this. What if this was enough? What if this Bible that you have What if that was enough? And everything else, the trials that hit you, things that will rock you, which they will, week in and week out, what if even when they hit you, you still could pick this up and go, yeah, but but this is enough. Because God's worth it. He is so worth it. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you so much for tonight. Uh, The chance to hear a teaching, um, Lord, that for me, uh, when I heard it the first time, uh, really impacted my life. And Lord, I just ask that through through it that that you will um, use the teaching of your Word to impact lives here, so we can honor you, that we can glorify you, that 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 there will be um, students for middle school and high school that will show up that are go, you know, I I need to be a part of this, and that through that that you will use the time that is taught, that they will be equipped just to make your name great. Uh, Lord, use our youth group, use our church. For you, not for us, Lord. If 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 um, whatever it takes is not about us being big, it's not about us being the best. Uh, we just want to honor you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. All right.